Welcome back, Dreadfuls. You're listening to another episode of Left for Dread, the horror podcast for everyone from newbies to fanatics. We are not a spoiler-free podcast. So make sure you have seen the movie or movies we're talking about before you listen. I'm one of your hosts, Ray. And I'm your other host, Chris. And we have no crawlers in the studio today. <laughs> <laughs> no crawlers, no guests. It's just us. <laughs> if you missed the last few weeks... Uh, we had such a, we had a ma- an amazing marathon of uh, Darren Lynn Bozeman, uh, Terrence Zudich, uh, musical horror extravaganzas with Repo, with Devil's Carnival, Alleluia. Uh, we have so many guests, so many awesome people, so many hot takes, uh, and and mind blowing insights. Uh, but now we're taking it a little bit easy. We're doing our nice chillax one-on-one podcast with all of you eventually listening to this on a friday and this week we are discussing the descent yeah what a what a nice relaxing movie to get us back into this (laughs) (laughs) just just from like initial reaction this is this was this is i i'm surprised this was this old Oh, quote unquote old. This was uh, right. This came out in two thousand five. This movie felt really fresh and new. I, I think that it was deliberately made to be that way. I, I think it aged. Well, this is my first it time aged watching it. Beautifully, then, beautifully. It's. I. I thought this movie like came out like like a year ago, two years ago. Honestly, it's just like the the effects and the writing and the the tension, the sto- the storytelling, the pacing. All of it was like really well done, and and it had this incredibly avant-garde, high-budget feel. Even though this was a movie on an incredibly low budget, I'm all I'm very very happy to talk about this movie today. Rod, do you remember your first gut reactions watching this movie? Uh, what, oh what, yeah, what um, were they like? I remember it. I remember it like it was yesterday. I've only. Up until doing it for this episode, I'd only seen it once. And I remember being scared shitless, which is not easy for me when we watch horror movies. I've grown up with them. I've watched them a lot. It does. I'd like to think it takes either just the right genre or just like the right subgenre of horror or the absolute right movie to scare the absolute fucking bejesus out of me. This scared the shit out of me. I remember that. I remember being scared. I fell for all the jump scares. And it happened again this time. I fell for all the jump scares. They were effective. Oh, oh the first the first 10 minutes of the film. I was not expecting. I know. I was not ready for like. So this is a movie where like it uses jump scares sparingly but but so well but so well like yeah like you get mad like oh no i can't believe it but you're like well okay they got me they got i'm not mad they got me before we go any deeper we should do a quick recap about the descent um and i definitely want to touch base on jump scares in that very beginning of the movie so yes um <laughs> it's a very simple plot line it's it's a plot that we've obviously like deliverance and other or like other movies like Texas, Ch- Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Wrong Turn, The Hills of Eyes. They're all very similar vibes. So in here, The Descent is about a widowed mom uh, named Sarah Cotter. She recently, um, well, actually one year prior, she suffered a very traumatic accident where um, her husband and her daughter died in a car crash after she went right white water rafting with a bunch of friends of hers that are all thrill seekers they're all like high adventure people they go base jumping climbing white water rafting you name it they, they do it so a year after this tragedy happens oh they're all from from europe various parts of europe by the way i know there are so many accents in this movie it's yeah so good. and, and so i love good. how how the director was very deliberate about choosing everyone's different accents different uh, nationalities they he wanted to give it a quote cosmopolitan field and to have like a diverse cast and make sure everyone could be easily identifiable which is really smart and um so basically they, they show up in the usa uh, and they're trying to explore this cave system and things go really wrong uh, relatively quickly when they discover well after there's like a cave in and they're trapped in the cave system and they find that 
it's populated by these hideous creatures, uh, hideous nocturnal uh, hunters called crawlers. Um, and it's about them trying to survive and get out. And it's much more than that, too. It's That's like the service level. And like the second meta narrative is Sarah trying to overcome her trauma and her, her PTSD and just fa- coming face to face with the past, specifically with her husband's infidelity and her relationship, specifically with her friend Juno. Yeah, and that's pretty much the plot. And then, right, so walk walk the audience through this jump scare at the beginning. Oh, don't forget, spoilers. <laughs> Massive spoilers. Again, again, all spoilers abound. So, yeah, like I said, the first time I saw this movie, I just remember being terrified. And then I couldn't remember why. Like, I remember it had left that impression on me, but I hadn't seen it since. And while I was watching the movie, I was like... I'm watching the beginning of it and I'm like, I can't remember why I was so afraid. And then as the movie progressed, I'm like, oh no, yep, this is this is absolutely why I was afraid of this movie. This is why I don't want to go spelunking. This is why you don't do it without a fucking tour guide, you idiots. But your first jump scare. The movie opens with three of the girls going white water rafting. Fun fact, that's actually them. That's the actual actresses. That's not any stunt doubles. They didn't want to do that. They wanted to do it themselves, which I think is just doubly fucking awesome. So they get to shore and you see the husband greeting Sarah, our protagonist, with their daughter, Jessica, and they leave and they're in the car. And so you've gone from big whitewater rafting, adrenaline pumping, now you're safe, you're calm, you're in a car, you're in a safe space. They're talking about their daughter's birthday. And just as she addresses her husband about how he's been distant, there's your first jump scare. It literally, it, it comes out of nowhere, much like a regular car crash. Oh, and, and, and you and you see it coming. Like he's, he, his, you, you see, see the car, but you car have no idea what's going to happen. He starts to veer yep. to the other lane. And you're like, oh, he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna turn and he's gonna dodge. And I'm like, nope, <laughs> no, it's nope. like, it's like a scene at a Final Destination where they crash and like these two giant steel rebars like fly through the window. They pierce. You see it pierce through the daughter's head, uh, and then and then you, and it pans to the outside of the car where it's just, there's just blood everywhere and there's like these two bars stuck through the windshield. I was like, I was like shook. I was like, oh, oh no. <laughs> oh my God, it got me. So uh, I, I would it. have loved to be like a fly on the wall while Chris was watching this movie for the first time during uh. all of this because I knew, I like vaguely remembered the crawlers and I remembered the camera use and I remembered certain bits and pieces. I did not remember the jump scare at the beginning. Like I knew that she suffered a loss, but I was like, I remember sitting there watching it. Like, I'm like, oh, okay. So I guess they're going to do the birthday party. I'm like, I know they die, but when do they die? And then there it was. And I was like, oh, okay. And I I love how the movie gets you with the same jump scare twice. Um, so like this, so this, uh, inciting, um, incident, it establishes, um, one of Sarah's recurring conflicts and, uh, her narrative, it establishes the core of her narrative arc, which is her trying to get over this trauma. What we see throughout the rest of the film is that, uh, Sarah has had a pretty rough time adjusting. She suffers from these hallucinations the one recurring hallucination that we see over and over in the film is the entire space is pitch black. Um, and we see a birthday cake, uh, being lit. Uh, and we see her daughter. We also see Sarah, uh, dealing with drug addiction or maybe not, maybe not drug addiction or, but like she's, she's heavily medicated to deal with these uh, hallucinations so there is a theory that it is drug addiction that it's not like antipsychotics to deal with her P- ptsd or anxiety like there is a, a film theory that it is um drug related i feel like that that's up to interpretation yeah i mean it's hard to say i mean i we're not from london 
So I feel like, I mean, that bottle she was popping from, it looks, it looks perfectly plausible to be like a actual prescription and whether or not it's like a, she's using it safely or maybe she's over medicating, we don't know, but uh, Sarah is just in a rough state. So there's this one part where they're all in the cabin and she has a rough night sleeping and then she wakes up and then she hears laughter of her daughter coming from the window and she goes to the window and then it gets you like like a rebar like flies through the window and then she snaps awake again it's like oh it got me again like yeah (laughs) and usually usually when films uh overuse the same jump scare it pisses me off because it just feels cheap and it feels like you're not giving your audience enough credit. I know that we experienced this when we watched the 20 was it 2016 Blair Witch? Yes. Yeah. We we experienced the same thing. They started using the same tactics over and over and over again and it and it becomes very uh tiresome and cheap and and lazy and it's like I said it's like you're not giving your audience enough credit, which really it really fucking angers me as a horror fan when you th- think your audience is stupid but this is done so well that you don't even care even with the crawlers they use the same jump scares but because they're done as sparingly as they are and in different ways and at different points you don't get tired of it it scares you yeah i mean that's i mean i mean that's why i mean tropes exist for a reason because they work um and jump scares is a classic trope of horror movies but what this movie does really well it uses it sparing it uses it sparingly and it uses it in ways that are smart so like just like from the beginning scene where it was so ingenious it just lulled lulled you into a sense of security it's like oh okay well the danger is gone the, the, everyone's safe no uh you were led to a false sense of security um and then it hits you um similarly like i mean i i would say this the nightmares or the the nightmare scenario our guard our guard was let down again like uh she was suffering a hallucination and then she wakes up and then and the honest like to believe oh okay she's okay but no it was just a hallucination within another hallucination or it, it the honest is being played like putty in the director's hands and i love that that's that's a mark of a good filmmaker no i i 100 percent agree i love it when i when films achieve what this does and even for it coming out in 2005 there is something to be said for this movie i think it aged beautifully i don't i think it holds up so so well the first time i saw it i saw the original ending the not the original ending the original ending was the uk version the american ending. the theatrical u.s yes version. the theatrical u.s release version which by the way i like their uh poster and their like dvd cover better than the uk version yeah it's 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 based it's on the salvador dali painting yeah uh i don't remember the name of it that motif was also used was also an inspiration in the science of the lamps. Uh, it's the similar skull motif that appears on the death head moth. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a great it's a great visual. Uh, it's really striking. Uh, it's really cool. That I do genuinely appreciate. It wasn't until after I had I had seen it, and I think even a couple of years after that, when it was brought to my attention that that wasn't the original ending. I had seen the original ending, so I knew when we did this watch that I wanted to, for the first time in since I saw it, that I was going to watch this movie. I was going to watch it with the UK ending. So that's the way I saw it. And honestly... If you're, I, I, I don't want to sound like a stickler, but if you want to get the full effect of this film, I would highly, highly suggest you find a way, if you don't already own it, to get the unrated version. Because the rated version, I feel like, sells you short. And honestly, let's be real, I know why they did it for the, for the American U.S. Um, version. American audiences, <laughs> you... You need because to, we kill everything. You need to, you need to steer yourselves. You need to grow a backbone. Yeah, it's because we ruin everything. And we like to 
make sequels out of everything because that's exactly what happened to this movie and if you watch the unrated uk version no you just you don't you don't want the rated version after that you really don't yeah so (laughs) so i watched this on amazon prime and the prime version gives you the u.s version and i did not until i talked to rye preparing for this episode i did not know about the original uk version because i think the way i prefaced because i had just finished watching it and i think the way i prefaced that to you was which version of this did you watch and you went what (laughs) (laughs) it's like oh i'm sorry (laughs) Um, initially i i love this movie until the ending and i mean there's so well we'll get more into it like um I mean, obviously, like, the cast is great. The effects were really great, especially the design of the monsters and the set um, and the lighting or the lack of lighting, more accurately. Um, the, the kills were awesome. And I thought what fell short was the ending. Uh, again, spoilers. So um, what happens at the very end, uh, Sarah takes her pickaxe her, her her climbing pick stabs Juno in the leg, leaves her to defend the crawlers and to buy her time, and basically essentially leaving her to die. Uh, Sarah then and the bitch deserved it. Yes, yes, we will get to that. Um, <laughs> Sarah leaves. Uh, she falls down another hole um, and gets knocked unconscious. Now in the U.S. version, she she's on the ground on this mountain of bones sunlight starts to stream in she wakes up sees sees she finds the second entrance uh of the second cave entrance claws her way out runs the hell back to the car drives like a good like couple miles away uh pulls over i guess startled by a 16 wheeler truck vomits and and she, like the reality or the she, the experience of what happened is still like rattling her nerves. Uh, and then she s- sits up, turns to her right, and sitting in, in the car is a ghost version of Juno haunting her. And she screams, and it cuts to black. Um, and I thought that was a very cheap, cliched ending. It it it, it screamed so Hollywood to me, where it's like, oh, this. I I just I just felt I felt like it didn't it cheapened the movie yeah right? it cheapened the movie and yeah. especially what I thought was like wait why my biggest question well where what was the payoff for the continued use of that imagery of like the birthday cake and her being enclosed in, in darkness seeing her daughter seeing the birthday candles being like the only source of light and whatnot. And I felt like, oh, okay. Um, I just felt like it was a cheap ending, or maybe they didn't know how to end it well, or maybe they just ran out of money. Because Americans ruin yes. everything. Yes. Exactly. We did an episode then, literally called Why Do Americans Ruin Everything? Because we ruin everything. True facts. And then then I found then I talked to Ride, then I looked it up, and what the actual ending was, all that happened to up to the point where Juno, the ghost Juno shows up. So that, that happens in the UK version. And then Sarah wakes up again in the cave and she wakes up unconscious. So it, it implies like the entire scene of escape was just another one of her PTSD induced hallucinations. Or maybe because she, she just got another bonk to the head. Uh, she just dreamed it all. Um, but she wakes up. The torch is still on her. And then she hallucinates, or she sees uh, herself in the giant vast room of darkness um, with the birthday cake, with her daughter uh, uh, kneeling in front of her. The camera pans out, and we see that um, Sarah's still looking as if she still sees her daughter, but we see that she's still in the cave. It's still pitch black. There's actually... It actually looks like it's like a, a it looks like a completely different cave system because the pile of bones that was there before is not there. Um, the torch is on the ground and she's hunched over it. And then in the background, you hear skittering and the cries of um, the crawlers surrounding her. 
and it's a much more nihilistic ending. Uh, like it's implied that she never escapes, that she too is killed and eaten alive by the crawlers. Um, and I love that ending more. It's it it fit that narrative arc. It 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 fit with all the Easter eggs, all the clues and breadcrumbs the movie was providing before, especially that recurring hallucination scene. And and it's just not. It's not the cop out Hollywood way where like American test audience were like, no, oh, it's too dark. We we need a happy ending. She needs to escape. It's like, no, no, you cowards. You cowards. Well, also, it sets you up for a sequel, which we got that nobody asked for. Because the whole premise of the sequel that I haven't seen, I just know what it is. Is Sarah, is Sarah like going back to the cave? Sarah goes to the cops and tells them what happened and they don't believe her. So they make her go back down there to prove her point. Oh, so it's the Resident Evil 2. It's stupid as fuck. <laughs> That's really what it is. It's stupid as fuck. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. You find a one. I mean, so here's the thing. Is there, in my opinion, I think that there are three ways to look at the UK ending. One of which, if she did get out, would make sense for the cops to, and like you had a sequel after that, it would make sense. So there, in my, like I said, in my opinion, there are three three ways to look at this. She obviously doesn't get out, and she's left there to be eaten by the the crawlers. There's another way to look at it, which is she does get out physically, but her mind, like, emotionally and mentally, her trauma is now complete, like, she's completely fucking fractured and traumatic. Oh, wait, she, she becomes a full-on killer. Like She's, oh. well, no, 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 she's still trapped in the cave. Oh, So, okay. like, that's what that is. So, like, she gets out, but in her mind... She's still trapped there. So between the cake and Juno's ghost and everything like that, her mind is still there. And that's sort of where we leave her. We now leave her in an even more fractured state than when she got there. Then there's the other way you can look at it, which is one thing that they did at the beginning of this movie that I thought was really interesting is uh, Holly, who was... She had a really interesting accent. I want to say she was like Welsh or Irish or some shit. Wait, is she was she the one that that broke her leg? Oh, that yeah, she got the compound fracture. Okay, yes. yeah. Oh, gnarly fucking scene. So good. She was listing off all the side effects of what can happen when you go as far down into a cave or a cavern as they were going, including She's, disorientation, dehydration, disorientations. Yep paranoia all of this stuff so in conjunction with that you can look at one way of the uh, you can look at um one way of looking at the uh uk ending as sarah couldn't handle all of this so she snapped and she killed everybody and there are no crawlers oh that is she so much herself. darker. Oh my god, so, I love exactly. that. Exactly, it's a much darker ending. I so love like the that. crawlers aren't real. Like you don't like those are auditory hallucinations brought on by the darkness of of the cave that she's now succumbing to. So like none of this, none of the crawlers weren't real. She did all of it. And, and we already know she's in a very precarious mental state, and we already know she's an unreliable narrator. Oh my god, right that. I love that read. <laughs> right? That is awesome. That just makes right? it even more nihilistic and fucked up. I love it. That's awesome. So that's, and that's part of the reason why I, I like the UK version ending better because there are so many different ways you can look at it and none of them are really wrong, obviously. All, all film is clearly up to interpretation, but it just leaves it so open-ended the way American versions of films tend to not. It gives you a cheap out and it sets you up for a sequel that literally no one fucking asked for. This movie doesn't need a sequel. I like to pretend that it doesn't exist. Yeah. I like yeah, I, I agree. don't think I don't think I could hate watch the sequel the way I could absolutely hate watch Book of Shadows. Because I could do that forever. <laughs> it's such trash. I love it. <laughs> like forever. <laughs> but America, we don't need to sequelize everything. And you and we don't I, need to I, reboot everything either. Can we just for a second? There are plenty of indie darlings out there. I feel like there there's so many U.S. movies where uh, not not just limitless like horror movies, just movies in general, hmm. where it doesn't trust the audience to like figure things out, or they they, they don't treat artists smart enough, or they don't trust the audience to like realize the vision of the yeah, really realize the original vision, or like 
or, or that or like a Hollywood studio is like they they cave to like oh we ha- we have to make the decision that would make sense for a box office thing uh, as opposed to like the more artistic more interesting route i mean it's just like a balancing of like well are you making a movie for business or are you making it for the sake of art and if you're looking if you want to look at a critical analysis uh, in terms of art like the uk version is just it's just there's so much more to be mined from it and then for the u.s version it's just i would say the juno ghost ending and ending on that is the cheapest jump scare in the entire flick and i don't know maybe i I, maybe they just got so inundated with the quote-unquote classic hollywood ending that they they still wanted it and they didn't they just didn't want to escape escape that comfort zone i don't know i just be we should be willing to like try on new ideas or just take the road less traveled and i feel like you and i often end up having this conversation when it comes to movies that have had American reboots or um, movies that have, or like even with Blair Witch, we we had this same discussion. I know we had this conversation when we talked about The Uninvited and A Tale of Two Sisters. I feel like it's constantly coming up. And I know we're not the only people talking about this. If you're, now don't get me wrong, horror is subjective to everyone. I feel like, you're a fan no matter what. I really hate people, I'm going to call y'all elitist because I feel like that's what you are, who are like, you're not a real horror fan unless you've seen this or unless this is your opinion about this movie. That's bullshit. Everything is subjective. However, I will say that there are certain things that I feel like they will unanimously agree on, not even in like full hatred mode or anything like that. But I feel like when it comes to The Descent, there is sort of like a unanimous opinion that the uk ending is superior it is it is on I, all I, fronts because yeah. you can have you can have this isn't this is an opinion this is fact exactly exactly and i feel like that that's something that everyone can agree on at least when it comes to this one movie because there are no you can have 65 million different conversations about the uk ending and i feel like that that is what people love and appreciate about horror it makes you think it creates conversation Uh, The fact that you can still talk about a mysterious ending about a movie however many years later, I think, is a true testament to the writer or the director, uh, the way something was done. With a a U.S. version, it's very finite, and it's dumb. (laughs) And when you think your audience is stupid, and you don't give them enough credit, it really... It really fucking cheapens the whole experience that you just had. Give your... I've said this so many times. Give your audience more fucking credit than that. Uh, we deserve it, damn it! Yeah. And um, I was reading I was reading um, some, tri- some, uh, some commentary about the US version. So, I mean, obviously the UK version, like, everyone... Everyone ends up dying or, like, no one, no one escapes... And we don't actually see on screen, but we see Sarah still locked in the cave system and crawlers are about her. Now, I think it was the director who was talking about this. Even though the U.S. version went with the way it did, he did comment that in its own way, it still still has its own sense of cynicism and nihilism, where he was commenting that Yes, Sarah escaped, but I mean, to what degree did she escape? Like, she she lost all of her friends. She passed this line where she basically killed her her one of her best friends. Um, she passed this threshold where she absolutely murked an entire family of crawlers. Yeah, let's let's be honest. Juno was not a friend by the end of that movie. Yeah. <laughs> I don't consider. I'm sorry. I no love lost there. I like, but you do have to deal with the fact that you did stab your friend in the knee and leave her to die. Yes. Um. So there's a certain type of imprisonment that she's now in. Like she has to live with the fact that you know she watched all her friends die. She has to live with the fact that she made this horrible decision, horrible but justified, to like axe her 
friend in the leg. Um, plus all the additional PTSD on top of the original PTSD. She, first of all, I also think Juno got off easy. She got her in the back of the knee so she couldn't really, like, she could still stand. I would have cut a bitch up, made that blood come out, and then hacked her in the knee. I would have been really bad. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Wow, Rai is much more brutal than I (laughs) would have went for it. Sorry, bitch. If it was like a one-time thing, I would have gotten her in the knee. But it was clear that it wasn't. I would have made that bitch suffer as quickly as possible. (laughs) Also, also, I mean, let's talk about the care. Let's talk about, let's talk about Juno. Juno is selfish. Her her sins are pride and envy. She and she lust. St- yeah, yes, and lust. lust. Like she stole, she stole Sarah's man, and and she made such a stupid, stupid decisions. Like, oh yeah, we're totally not going to this cave. We're gonna go to this undiscovered cave system, and I'm not gonna tell anyone. And I'm gonna tell Sarah that. That I did. I'm doing this to you. I'm doing this for you. It's it's not. It's totally not because of my ego. We're gonna discover and name this cave together, and we're gonna be great. And it's gonna preserve and make our relationship better. Even though I cheated on you, I left you, and I left the country, and uh, I wasn't. I wasn't part of your support network. Okay. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> no. So like. So here's the thing. One thing that this movie does really well is. It's not shy about letting you know that there are hints of infidelity during this movie. Like, you you are aware that something might have happened, but you don't know the length until the very, very end. And it provides very smart, very subtle breadcrumbs and clues. Um, I, I mean, it provides breadcrumbs, but the, the breadcrumbs aren't so blatantly obvious that it ruins the flow or tension of the story yeah so like okay so here's here's where this starts off they get off the life raft there's three of them the husband goes straight to juno for starters and helps her with her helmet off there is a friend there that sees it and i do think to some degree they knew that it happened i think beth was the only one that knew how long it was going on for uh i think everyone else had some idea I think the way the way I read it, Beth had an idea, and I think over the course of the year in between the accident and the start of the movie, planning Beth the trip. Find, yeah, planning the trip. Beth actually found out all, more details about it, but she still kept her mouth shut. I yeah, but you know what? I I do think that some of the other girls knew too. Oh Whether yeah, they yeah. Figured some it other, out. Like there's or there's not, that one I, scene at the cabin. Exactly where she's like, "When have I ever disappointed you?" And she's like, "Once." Uh yeah, and then and then the matter shade was real. He, he, then you see Juno start to get playing with the necklace. Fit, yeah, and um, it says "Love each day," which is something her husband used to say. It's inscribed on the back of the necklace. Like there are, and all of that, like finding the necklace and all of that, that comes later when Beth accidentally gets killed by Juno because she thinks she's a crawler and she gets a fucking pick to the throat. Yeah. But Beth's like, damn, no, Juno. no, no. And she grabs, she grabs the necklace and be, uh, before she f- falls down. Oh yeah. So there are just like a lot of things. So even with all of that, you're giving your audience the benefit of the doubt that they're picking up on all of the subtleties, whether they pick on every single one of them or just a couple of them, they have enough to go on. So all of that and the U.S. is going to change it to some watered down version of she gets out and she's haunted by Juno's ghost because all of a sudden she's like remorseful for leaving her there. No, man, she wouldn't be remorseful for leaving her there. <laughs> Juno did her dirty. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. So that's why the U.K. version, I think, is more powerful because there are so many ways you can look into that. Whether she did it all of her own volition and she just fucking snapped or she's just mentally completely splintered and she's that like, however you're going to look at it. I really do think that the way to look at this movie, especially what with what we're given from start to finish, UK ending just makes the most sense. However you look at it, it makes sense. 
the other the other thing of it is ending aside apparently there's just like a little bit more gore in the unrated version than the oh i would have loved more gore the but gore that's the, the thing, practical effects like, is so good here i don't know the difference on on a gore level like i don't know if there was anything more gory about the kills that i saw versus the kills that you saw I don't know how you would make those more or less gory. I think they were pretty much the way they were. So I, mean, I don't. The 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 U.S. version I saw, like I was very impressed. The, the kills were pretty graphic and lurid, and like they're awesome to watch. Uh, uh, just lots of crawlers ripping out throats. Lots of lots of sp- sp- uh, shiny sh- sharp objects like pickaxes and just swing all over the place. There was that awesome scene where um, uh, one of the oh god I don't remember her name I think it, I think it was uh, Samantha. She's trying to create a a rope line um, near the end of the film, and she's struggling to create a line. She's holding on by one hand. She's getting her guidelines in together. A crawl oh and, and the crawler uh, is waiting for her upside down. And like slashes out her throat, um, yeah. but in the last moment, she takes the knife and stabs in the gut, and the both of them will fall into this watery ravine below. And it's like, oh my god, that is such a cool double kill. Yeah, I mean, there were definitely parts like like the crawler like falls into the. I mean, man, like I know. I think one of my favorite bits was again another jump scare. I fell for was Juno falls in the river, what uh, falls into the water, and crawler falls into the water. And Crawler's just, after being stabbed, and just, like, chills there, but then comes after her in the water, that I fell for. I was, and I knew it was coming, too. I want to, like, what are, what are, I'm going to look this up. What are the differences in the kills? Because I don't think there are any differences in that respect. I think literally the only difference is the ending. Okay. Well, I'm glad we're not missing anything oh good so we're not missing anything fantastic really okay. well tldr <laughs> everything is the same in both versions except the ending <laughs> okay <laughs> you know uh speaking of what's different this movie just feels like a very very different type of horror film which is probably why it, it got so critically acclaimed and it still felt so fresh uh, even though this movie is like 15 years old. Um, so Neil Marshall, uh, the director, I haven't seen this film, right? I'm not sure if you've seen this film. Um, Dog Soldiers, which was in 2002. Um, yeah. Yeah. We should watch that. We should definitely watch that. Uh, in approaching this follow-up film, um, he want- he wanted to do something deliberately different. And one of these things he wanted to do was have, or to cast only women as main roles, because I believe he was talking to someone, or no, I'm sorry, uh, Marshall was talking to his business partner, uh, and they were remarking how horror films rarely have all-female casts, uh, and he wanted to do something new, defy conventions, and um, Marshall also talked with a lot of female friends um, and got advice and insights. And so this movie was made from a very deliberate female gaze, female POV. I love that. I, I love how, like, the movie's both equal parts slasher gore schlocky fest, but has a really, really strong emotional core like i feel like much more so than other horror films like the the subtext is incredibly strong but it's done in the way where it doesn't it's not hammered into your head it's like it's it's under the surface but still very prominent um the other thing that i feel really really hits our all of our buttons uh when you when if you're a casual listener of this show Ryan and I, we love the use of practical effects, and they've Hell used that. Yes! I mean, I did not realize like the entire cavern set was like was bit bit man made. Like they actually didn't use any natural cave systems. This was just all cleverly used, redesigned and modular rock sets made out of like this 
really cool plaster. Right. Um, and like just how they opted for very limited lighting, like lighting limited to only flashlights, light tubes, glow sticks. Um, and they used an incredible so one of the there's like two really cool visually visually uh, awe-inspiring shots that I love was like the first shot was when they first descend through the tiny tunnel and they oh the initial tunnel and they they pop the first red flare like this oh my god yeah they see this massive eerie um, cavernism bathed this red light. It looks like hell. Um, and it's so cool. And it and it's and you just see only their silhouettes in like the foreground and background. It just creates like this really interesting uh landscape. And the other scenes that I love is where two of the climbers they they're running around with a green a green glow stick I and they drop it that. and it's yeah. yeah and and like they they're hiding they're holding each other and they're hiding and as this golem looking crawler crawls around them and just the entire room is just bathed in like this super sickly green light uh and it's lighting the the creature you can see its eye it's all blind and weird and um it just the green just accentuates their features in a creepy way I was like, holy shit, like, this is, like, some really, really amazing use of lighting or the lack thereof. Um, so those are, those are just two, or I guess three small points of why this movie feels so different. And, like, I mean, the 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 creature design alone is, like, the creatures look like a mix of Nosferatu, the Reapers from Resident E. oh, I'm sorry, uh, Blade, Blade 2, and Gollum. And, like, they're so mm. creepy looking. Um, I love the story where um, the directors deliberately kept the monster design away from the actors, and so, so that they f- so that reaction is genuine. Yes, yes. Uh, there is one funny, like one of the actresses was saying when they first saw the creatures, they she was like, "Oh my god, I, I was gonna piss my pants." I ran off the set, and then we started laughing about it. it was like, holy shit, that's I love that. So one thing that I'm gonna say you want to talk about jump scares is in a scene with the two girls where they're hugging each other and they're illuminated by the green light. You know, a crawler's coming, you know, a jump scare is coming. You can feel the tension building, you know, it's happening, but it's not entirely what you expect. And I think that that's why the jump scares will get you. And it's so successful. So Earlier in, in the film, you see one of the girl. You see the girl trying to set this watch, and she can't. She can't do it for whatever reason. She's like, "This is watch is so dumb. These buttons are too small. I can't get it to set the time it's supposed to be set on." Yeah, it's a sentimental gift from her hubby. Yeah, or boyfriend, or whatever the fuck it was. And you don't really think anything of it. It's just a moment in a car. However, in this particular moment, you know something's going to happen. The crawler goes over them and you feel like you can breathe and then that stupid little watch comes back and it goes off and you think, oh, this is it. They're going to die. She gets the watch off and she throws it off the ledge and and it goes and the crawler goes after the watch because they go by sound. They die eventually, but it's each one of those little moments that build up until that point that really get you. I think that this film does such a good job of building tension not only building tension but build building tension off of quote-unquote like really well-designed well-thought-out logical rules like about the monster like i i I kept watching this movie and i I can't tell you how many times i i just thought to myself i really want to hear our friends from iron silver and salt like take on these creatures because like the creatures are like they 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 have yes. like a, a set of rules that is logical. It, 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 I felt these creatures were really plausible. Like I felt like if you just take a little deg- a little bit of degrees of fantasy into real life, um, these creatures could, could totally exist. Like these are these are a race of subterranean cavemen that evolved to be perfect hunters in the dark. So they can climb expertly. They they're blind, but they can hear really, they, or they they communicate and 
travel through echolocation like bats. Um, you know, they hunt in the day, they hunt around uh, the surface and they bring back prey and food uh, to their cave. And um, I, I also dig the fact that the director took pains to create a feel of the colony being like an actual society is they're just not all male creatures they're like sexually dimorphic so you see all the male creatures are like bald and like super ugly you see the feet uh, uh, like a mother crawler with long straggly hair and we also see a baby like a young baby uh toddler infant or actually that, maybe like more of like an adolescent that i think child. sarah fucks oh up. she kills the entire family and it's it's crazy <laughs> um but i love how like the 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 director and the team established a bit of world building um with this with this creature colony and uh they didn't they did it in a way where it's really natural where we see it through the POV of the hunt of the climbers trying to figure like, Oh, they're trying, they're, 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 they're figuring out what, how they work alongside the audience. Like, Oh, they, 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 they're, they must be blind. Um, they must, they, I think they hunt by echolocation. Um, and it's really cool. It's really smart, really. And it, it doesn't force feed the audience. It doesn't bash them over the head with too much exposition. It was just, it was great. Well, also, I think what also adds to that is one of the girls that's down there with him is in med school right now. She's going to be a doctor. So it would make sense for her to be able to surmise all of that because they're examining a dead one that they killed and they're like, what the fuck are these? Oh, okay. Well, short of doing an autopsy in the middle of a, a fucking cave <laughs> surrounded <laughs> by these things, here's what I can tell you. I also tweeted Iron, Silver, and Salt while we were recording this. Oh, hell yeah. Shout out to Iron, Silver, and Salt. I was like, how would you defeat them? I must know. Yes, yes. <laughs> so by the time this comes out you can check the timestamp. i literally did it while we were recording <laughs> brilliant uh for those who don't know what we're talking about uh so um one of my good friends from washington dc chris rodriguez um started a really cool monster hunting podcast called iron silver and salt where they take a monster or a creature from uh, a film a myth a books um tv show uh and discuss what the monster can do uh its weaknesses its strengths and how would it how would they would defeat it and we had an amazing crossover episode um where we tackled the thing from another world from the 1950s movie and it was awesome and uh, you should go check them out Hell yeah. My one qualm, if I'm allowed to have one about The Descent, is that it does, for a film that is entirely filled with females, it doesn't pass the Bechdel test. Or the Bechdel test, excuse me. Oh, yeah. 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 Because um, it's about the husband. It is like, about when the they're not, cause, they like, when they're not. They fridge the husband the cave, and the child. Right, exactly. Like, when they're not talking about the cave, they're talking about Paul. And, like, I get it because she's traumatized, but at the same time, like, that's like my only issue with it and that's a very tiny issue i'm not to not every uh female driven horror movie needs to pass the bechdel test that's not a requirement for me although it would be nice um it's just like one teeny issue i have with it because i'm an eternal pessimist and i have to find an issue with everything clearly um but yeah so oh and before anybody asks us and asks us this we're not doing the descent too <laughs> We're, we're not. It's not happening. <laughs> we ignore it. It's fine. I'm ignoring it because I the descent holds up so seriously. If you've never seen this movie, add it to your to your roll to your fucking rolodex of horror movies. It won't fail you. I think it really does hold up. I can't believe how infrequent I watch how like infrequently I watch this movie. It's going to step up now. I'm going to oh, continue to watch it. I'm not a cla also. Here's the thing. I'm not a claustrophobic person. I, uh, I'm I'm fine for whatever reason. The only time I have an issue is like in crowds, but that's not claustrophobia. That's something different. Um, if you're claustrophobic, this really is not a movie for you. <laughs> yeah. Oh but no. This movie like this movie like like this movie makes me not want to go in a cave ever. 
Yeah. Ah, uh, this is a movie where I like like, like even uh, with a guide, like I don't I don't want to go down. I'm sorry, I don't want to go down there. <laughs> uh, I I I I'd like to think I'm like high adventurous, but like uh yeah, no, Juno, please go, please take me to a well well mapped, well structured, well proven safe cave. I don't want no uncharted cave. Where there's cave-ins and there's monsters, please. No, thanks. See, I'm like, good. and that's, so, like, that's the thing is Beth, one of the, one of the girls made a really good point. They were like, oh, well, we charted this out with, uh, with, like, the nature preserves and, like, like if we don't show up, they're going to come looking for us. And they're like, yeah, that would be true if we were in the right fucking cave because that's what I said we were going to do. And I was Juno. like, oh, so you were smart. Man. Like, if this, this had is happened. This is all Juno's fault. Exactly, it is all Juno's fault because she's a lying, cheating whore. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I thought Sarah was too lenient on her. I would have let the bitch have it. Uh, yeah. I'm an asshole. <laughs> I think moral of the story. Uh, moral try of the to story: choose, try go to choose with a better guide. friends. <laughs> choose better friends and go with a guide. Don't, Don't surround yourself with toxic people. There you go. But, and so, and so, like that's the thing is like people. People actually go spelunking on their own without a guide. That's I don't. That's I, I I I don't care how experienced you are. How do you? How? <laughs> Please tell me how. Like my heart, and I think that this also speaks to how well this movie was was done. My heart was racing throughout this entire movie when I saw the cave that they were going into. I was like, oh hell no! You, you know what's like a no. really visceral scene, like when Sarah gets stuck and then um oh my god, and uh, she starts to have it, a panic was it attack. Beth, was it Beth or Ju- Juno that tries to get her? It's Beth. It's Beth. It's not Juno. Oh, of course. Beth. Juno it's always Beth. runs away. Juno should have. Oh, I'm sorry. No, Juno should have run away. Beth is the best friend that Sarah should have had. Yes. It's it's a very real situation. Sarah gets stuck, but I think it's also because her head was not totally there the whole time. So she starts to have a panic attack. And Beth, like a good Judy, turns around and it's like, no, I'm not going to leave her here. I'm going to talk her through this. So she turns around in this narrow ass tunnel and talks her down from this. She's like, breathe. You're fine. What could you possibly? She makes such a horrendously sexual joke that I love it. And it would absolutely get me out of a panic attack. But she turns around. She says to her, she's like, what are you so afraid of while you're down here with us? The worst thing that could have happened to you already has. Mm-hmm. You're fine. You are safe. And then, and then as the soon cave as she says that, and then, and then the cave starts to cave in. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, bet. Famous last words. Famous last fucking words. Like, quite literally, because then they all start dying. Oh, I mean, good, good job, Beth. I, I, you, Beth you, was the you, best. You got done dirty so had. badly. I know. Uh, Beth Beth's death. Beth was probably my favorite because she was such a good friend to everyone. She got the worst death, like the worst. Yeah, pour one out to our homie Beth, who got mercenarily killed and abandoned. Well, actually, Again. she was abandoned by Juno, and then Sarah, Sarah was forced to take her out with a rock because, like. that okay okay no okay hold on real talk for a second she was left to die by juno she manages to get enough out to sarah that she's like don't trust i know what i thought i thought um the crawlers took her towards the bone pit to save her for a later meal I, I think that that's what happened because she was still alive, but she was still yeah, she, left to die. Yeah, exactly. Like Juno was like, either she's going to bleed out or these creatures are going to get her. Either way, my tracks are covered. No one has to find out that I accidentally killed her. Now, here's the thing. It was literally a freak accident. She really, and she was done being attacked. She, something was coming. She really, and that's fine in Juno's mind, and I can kind of understand where she was going. I'm not sympathizing with her, but I understand why she took off. I mean, Juno's Juno's standard defense mechanism is to constantly run away from everything. It is, but also, think about it from Juno's perspective. She fucked everyone over. Everyone's yeah. dying and is in this situation because of her. Do you really think that if she tried to tell the truth and was like, it was an accident, that any of them would have believed her? No. 
exactly people, people already are predetermined to like not trust her like exactly. even as simple as like uh that that exchange she had with the other girls at the cabin exactly so juno was screwed no matter what so she did the only thing she knew how to do which is take off so but here's the thing you forced your already traumatized friend to take you out with a fucking rock what the fuck? What Terrible. the fuck? Oh, and all, on top fuck. of all this, like, Sarah had to find out from uh, her a friend who was bleeding girl. from the neck that her her, her husband was cheating on her. It's like, Sarah can't, take a, can't get a break. It's terrible. Yeah, which is why in, like, the idyllic minds of Americans, uh, our ending makes sense. But I gotta tell you, the UK version is much more realistic. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's so good it's so good i'm um, so i'm actually like really mad at myself that i i let myself get so uh uh traumatized not even traumatized scarred and scared by this movie that i didn't see it i think also a lot of it had to do with the fact that we watched it in a college dorm room on a tiny tv with the lights off mm. So, yeah, that probably had <laughs> atmospheres everything when you're watching a horror movie. I'm fine watching horror movies in the dark. I do it all the time. But I think that this had, like, a lot to do with it. No, no, wait, right, you're, you're doing it wrong. You need to watch it in the dark with one single glow stick illuminating the entire room. <laughs> Chris, no. That's the way you No! You have to be immersive. <laughs> No, no, no. So I'll tell you what. I'll watch it with my with my it light balloon on because it's red and it just glows. I'll watch this movie with that in front of me. And be okay, with it. brilliant. I'll really set the scene for the whole fucking movie. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Uh, so do you have any last thoughts? And what would what uh, what rating would you give this movie? Okay, last thoughts. I'm, again, really mad at myself that I let so much time go by after watching this. It's not going to happen again. It's it's now part of my, like, Rolodex of horror films that I go to when I need to watch something. Heck yeah. Um, and I give this five out of five crawlers. Hands Excellent. down. Hands Excellent. fucking down. Or jaws down on a jugular, whichever <laughs> one you prefer. <laughs> <laughs> um... I would give the oh yeah well my final thought is apparently the descent is one of Tobin Bell's favorite horror films so Tobin Bell Fuck aka Jigsaw yes. so the Jigsaw loves the descent and I approve so thank well, you Tobin that's just, Bell that's just really high praise I'm sorry that is like <laughs> that's it yes that's we're it. done. We're done. Game over. Get the fuck out. We're done. Indeed. Like Tobin Bell loves this. Okay. That's like that's like saying Tony Todd is like a fan of your movies. Like the, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Yes. <laughs> yes. I can die happy. Um and I, I would give this a five out of five pickaxes. Yeah. Yeah. So more of the story. If you go caving, go be smart about who you go to and who you bring and yep. watch this film. And watch the UK movie. version of the film. On that note, <laughs> thank you for listening to another episode of Left for Dread. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Everything helps. You can listen to us on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify every Friday. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Left for Dread Pod. You can find us on Facebook, and you can check us out on our website at leftfordread.com. We, we we love this movie, so if you made it to the end of the episode and still haven't watched it, just go watch it again. We're going to watch it again. We love this We're film. We're going to watch it again. Tobin Bell watch watches right this now. film. Tobin Bell, can we watch this movie with you? That'd be great. <gasps> <laughs> Patreon, let's go. We're going to Patreon stretch goal. <laughs> when COVID-19's over, Patreon. We're doing yes, it. Yes, Patreon. <laughs> um, yeah, so again, again, stay safe out there. Um, you social know, distancing practice. Yeah, social distancing. Social fucking distancing. What what better way to solve? What better way to self quarantine than to watch more horror horror movies like The Descent? So do that. That's yes. your homework assignment. Um. So yes. Again, stay safe out there. I uh, hope everyone's having a great week. And last oh, but not least, also quick note, quick note, because I forgot about this until you said trapped. 
in quarantine. Hold on. Hold on. Okay, ready for this? Not sponsored, but Shudder has an entire list of movies that you can watch while you're quote-unquote trapped in quarantine, in self-quarantine because of coronavirus. Oh, uh, and not not only that, Shudder provided a code to give you 30 free uh, 30 days free for the trial service it's called it's uh, the code is shut in shut in all all caps all caps so, yes. so take advantage of that do it i mean i i pay for shutter because i love it because it was everything i've always wanted <laughs> but <laughs> use the uh, the promo code shut in again not sponsored Shutter although Pantera. although shutter if you want to sponsor us <laughs> please add us <laughs> we wouldn't we wouldn't object but um yeah the promo code is shut in they have an entire list of movies that you can watch i mean and shutter aside. exclusives like creep yes. show and prevenge and all and deadlands and all this other great stuff go check it out again promo code shut in take ed fucking vantage because yes. what the fuck else are you doing <laughs> yes go watch shutter Yes. And don't forget, stage, stage red, 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 red